God bless you. May the Lord open our eyes and our hearts to his more of his truths. We're putting the year 2023 behind us and getting ready to walk into 2024 by the grace of God. Do you have any things to be different in 2024 than 2023? You've heard uh, the text uh, that we're going to be working from this morning in Malachi chapter 2, verse 17 through chapter 3, verse 6. I've entitled this message, Return to Me and I'll Return to You. And you find that in verse 7. Our nation, our world needs this message. We need to bear it well. So, before we begin, let's open with some prayer. Master, your words tell us there's nothing new under the sun. As you read your, your texts, your truths, in Malachi, we see that not much has changed, but we still ask for your grace, ask for your wisdom, ask for your mercy. Help us to bear your name well and let others hear of you through us and see you as we walk in your paths. Give us grace, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Much, again, not much has changed through the years in the days of Malachi. This was written 400-ish, 400 years before the entrance, uh, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so many truths are written beforehand and we're seeing it lived out again and again and again. We need God's grace. We need God's grace to put this year behind us and enter in this new year with His grace, with His truths, with His strengths. There's a world out there who doesn't know Him. And you and I have been given the responsibility to be his ambassadors to go and to proclaim his word in truth. In the day that Malachi was writing this, he starts this section where he says, You have wearied the Lord. You've wearied the Lord with your words. And like we always do, with what? How have we worried him? 
in that you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. For is for where is the God of justice? Looking at our world today, many questions. Lord, when will your second coming be? We need your grace. We need your mercy. But when? We see a lot of injustice. Everything that is anti-God being proclaimed and being lived out. And some say, well, and I've, I've shared, and some say, well, everything, as we'll mention here in a moment, everything remains the same as from the beginning. Not quite. Where is the God of justice? Where is the right, uh, the things that we have heard that God has done in the past? He has when, when is he going to show up and take away our enemies? When is he going to come and make everything right? We need to be cautious as we play these words in our mind. Again, as there is nothing new under the sun, in the days of Malachi, even in the days of Isaiah, we see the Lord writing through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah 5 and verse 18. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sin as with cart ropes who say let him make speed let him hasten his work that we may see it and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it Or to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Times may change. The calendar may change. But the heart of mankind has not changed. We are desperately wicked. We are looking for our own ways. Even in Isaiah's writing, the writing is like, Lord, you come do it. Let me see it. I want to see it. Like he's there to perform for us. 
the Lord is not, does not exist to perform for us. We, as his people, are to be performing for him. In this service, there's only one in attendance. And it should be the Lord. You and I are, are to be the participants, not just somebody watching. The Lord is the one in attendance. The, one, the Lord is the one watching. He doesn't have to show us anything. But due to our, sadly, our boneheadedness and arrogance, said, Lord, you do this and let me see it. I want to see it. Perform for me. As I had spoken of a moment ago, a man said to me, and he was not obviously a believer, and as I was sharing the gospel with him, he would say, but they've been saying that for years. They've been saying that, oh, oh, the Lord is this, and the Lord is that, and the Lord is coming. They've been saying that for years. And then I looked at him, and I get a lot of cockeyed looks when I respond, because I don't respond like most people. I said, I thought you said you didn't read Scripture. I don't. You just quoted the verses. What? In Second Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, know, the, know this first of all. In the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it has, was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water. And by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That day is coming. When? I don't know. But by His grace, we're going to be turning over a calendar here pretty soon. And we're going to be another year closer to whenever that day is. That as in the days of Malachi, 
They were, they were not trusting God. They were accusing God that he was not being just, he was not being right. When all he is, is always right. He is just. He's also merciful and patient and long-suffering. Today, sadly, mention God's wrath. He goes, no, no, my, my God is a God of love. And the amazing thing is, God can be a God of love and a God of wrath all at the same time and not infringing upon the other. He doesn't diminish any of his characters of what he does and who he is. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is the God of wrath. All at the same time. Perfectly. And we need to remember that he's not here for our entertainment, but for his service. Looking to see him glorified and him adored and him worshipped. I said, I've heard, I read somewhere a long time ago that worship was one of those uh, compound words made into, it should be worth-ship. You're coming here this morning. What is your life declaring he is worth? What is his merit? What What is he worth? Is he just something, well, we, we'll do this on Sunday morning, then the rest of the week is mine. I've got other things to do. Or, what is he worth? Is he worth it all? Short answer is yes. He is worth it all. And we are to love him and to cling to him and adore him and declare his worthiness, that he is true and holy. Very patient, dealing with non-headed people like us. Instead of us trying to see, God, you perform for us. Entertain me. When we should be in awe of who he is of all that he has done and just who he is, alone his uh, mercy and grace and his salvation that he's brought. But in the days of Malachi, they were, again, just not believing God. They were just like today. They're not believing God. Where is his coming? Where is all this that they said in the past he done? But... I'm not seeing it. So maybe something's changed. Nothing has changed. Just another day closer to his return for us to be amazed at his greatness, at his beauty, at his power. Where is the God of justice? 
next couple of verses, you, you kind of get to see little glimpses of the God of justice. Which says in verse 1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And we know who that one is, is John the Baptist. He came, he is the messenger that was sent before him to prepare him, to prepare the way for the Lord. He says in John chapter 1, when they were asking, John, who is he? He says, I am the one. I'm the one who is sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And it's not, I, I scribbled down John chapter 1 and it's not in John chapter 1. So forgive me for that. It says, I'm the one, I'm the one, the messenger crying out in the wilderness, making straight his paths. Because the Pharisees were asking, who are you if you're not the Messiah, you're not the prophet. Who are you? He says, I am the one who is calling. The one calling, making the way of the Lord straight. Leveling the paths so that the Messiah, when he comes, people will be prepared for him. And he was preparing the way. Then he says, the Lord whom you seek, also in verse 1, the Lord, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And in John chapter 2, you see where the Lord Jesus is presented in the temple. This is the Lord. This is the God that they seek or thought they were seeking. It wasn't like they had presented in their own minds. It was much different. He came into his own temple, the God of the universe, into the temple, and yet he lived his life, his incarnation, being mocked and ridiculed and ultimately crucified. Where? Where is his justice? They ask. He's coming and his justice is coming. We don't know when the final judgment will come. But it will come. When they present these Questions 
to try to deflect and to guard themselves instead of them revealing their own hearts that they were not believing who God is. He does say in John chapter 1, I flipped over and I was looking at 1 John. The pages sometimes stick. Forgive me. In John chapter 1, and verse 21, and they were asked, and they, they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he has answered, no. They said to him, who are you? So that we may give an account to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. As in Malachi, he was saying that John was going to come. Didn't give him a name yet. But he was the one who was going to be preparing the way of the Lord to make the path straight for people to, uh, to see clearly the grace of God. See, what God is doing is for His glory. Not just to pacify my own personal uh, appetites. Say, God, he's being merciful to you and I. In Luke 2, verses 21 through 32, you see where Jesus was presented into the temple. He came to his temple when they weren't expecting him. He says in verse 2 of Malachi chapter 3, But who can endure that day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He's coming to purify this God of justice that they were asking for. He is coming. He hasn't, he hasn't fallen asleep. He is not unaware of what all is going on, but he is gracious and merciful and compassionate. And he calls for us to repent of our constant rebellion against him. That we would see him as he is, as he lays himself out portraits in his word that we will be amazed at his glory, at his beauty, at his power, at his bigness and amazed at our smallness. We need him.
Who can endure that day of his coming? He reminds us again in the book of Amos. The same story again and again and again and again throughout all of Scripture. All of Scripture is but one message. The book of Amos, you see in chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose? the day of the Lord be to you. It will be darkness and not light. As when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him. Or goes home and leads his hand against the wall and a snake bites him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light? Even gloom with no brightness in it? The coming judgment of God is we haven't seen anything like it. We only can see his testimony in his word. But that day is coming. The day of the Lord will come as he has declared it will. And as we change the calendar over tonight, we're reminded we are another year closer. What will we look like? What will we look like thinking about the day of the Lord. It's a horrifying thought, but a glorious one at the same time because those who have repented of their rebellion against the holy God, their sins and rebellion have been paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We stand before Him justified, not as His enemy, but as his family members, that we see him and we rejoice. Reminded in verse 3 of Malachi 3, he was sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. What the Lord is going to be doing, purifying his people. By the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ bore our sin and our wrath that we deserved. 
But in this refiner's fire, this purifying silver and purifying gold, this purifying consists not only of extermination of all that is evil, but also the correcting correcting so that we can worship him more accurately not just go through motions but from our hearts once again we're going to be another year closer What will it look like? When he comes in the final judgment, he is going to be refining this earth as this earth, present heaven and earth are reserved for fire. If anyone who presents global warming, take him to Second Peter chapter 2. Or chapter 3. Say, so here's global warming when God ignites everything. Bring all the conversations back to the scriptures. How it's going to play out, I don't know. But it will. Because the Lord has promised it. He says in verse 5, he says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swore falsely and against those who oppress the wage earners, earner of, of his wages and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me. We have, as been mentioned, people think that the only, the best way to go to heaven, all you have to do in our culture today, all you have to do to go to heaven is to just die. Well, kind of. But if you've not been born again, that's not an automatic not everybody goes. Only the redeemed go. And the lie that keeps going out, we sometimes gloss over and we forget what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know Chapter 6, verse 9. We don't know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, 
nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Not everybody's going to be inheriting the kingdom of heaven. The scripture is clear. We don't have to water it down and say, oh, it's okay. No, it's not. Stand on the word of God. Period. Let the word of God be glorified. Let those around us see and hear the truth of God's word. First, we'll have in the book of James. Chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. The day is coming and every perfect gift is from him. Does the world around us know that? Do our coworkers know that? Do our families know that? We're going to start this new year. I pray we start and we care his word with us thoroughly. The Lord is coming. Nothing is new under the sun here, but the promise is still here that he is going to return. This is the last verse in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O son of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept, kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? as the, the title I've placed on this message. How will you return? To be honest and repent. Repent of our rebellion. Repent of our satisfactions in other things other than Him. Repent of just loving everything else but Him or everything else along with him, putting everything else on the same level. In Romania, in Romania the Christians 
were called the repentant ones. Because the Baptist church in Romania was always saying, you need to repent. We need to have a life of repentance. Constantly repenting of our rebellion against a holy God that we have offended so quickly. If you have repented and claimed to be born again, praise God. Never stop repenting. Coming before the king, say, Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong again. If you haven't come to the Lord the first time at all, the call for you, what will you do? The call is for you to repent. Agree with God about your rebellion, that it is worth his wrath, and forsake it. Repent of it and cling to the Lord Jesus. May God have mercy on us. Never head bowed, not closed. God, you are glorious and patient. Give us eyes to see clearly. And ears that hear you. Give us new hearts and a steadfastness of hope in you. Our world's a mess, and you know it. But we need you, Father. Be glorified with our world, and with all of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.